0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Back at it goes Ellsbury. To the wall. It is gone. Wilson Ramos with a two run home run. And with one swing of the bat, he's given a raise the lead.
2: Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now.
1: Check swing on the slider, Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons.
0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. as the race look to wrap up the series with the Phillies on a high note. Today, you'll hear from Denard Spant on this Jackie Robinson Day. You'll hear from Jared Sandberg, too, from AAA Durham. We'll visit with Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun and much more. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our featured guest on this show is Denard Span. Denard, pleasure to have you on the program. What does Jackie Robinson Day mean to you since here it is on this day that we're playing?
3: Uh, you know, when I think of Jackie Robinson uh, and Jackie Robinson Day, I just think about um, all the things that he had to go through in order um, for myself and, you know, a lot of minorities to, to be able to play this game. Um, you know, he had to sacrifice a lot and um, just salute to a, a great man.
0: When you first got to put on number 42 in a game, how much did that mean to you?
3: Uh, you know what? I felt like I had superpowers, to be honest. Um, you know, because nobody nobody wears that number only on that day. And, and it's just a special feeling just to know what it represents. And um, just like I said, you know, just everything that uh, – jackie robinson uh, embodies
0: we mentioned you know the first time you wore it but does it mean the same to you every year or does it mean more because obviously your career is getting on and you don't know how many hopefully many more years to come but how many more years you'll get to do that
3: um i think every year it means the same to be honest um, it means um it meant the same last year as it meant to, um the, the first year i wore it um you know it, it's just a special day um you know i think uh, where baseball. Um, you know honors honors him and uh, you know, I'm just thankful that um, I'm able to to be in that number
0: If you were lucky if he were still alive today, what would you want to ask him? What are some of the things you would want to know about his life?
3: I would want to just wonder just about his his upbringing uh, you know, just just how he um, you know, was able to to um, Go through the things he was able to go through without you know cracking um, and breaking Um I, I think that would be the main thing, just to try to pick his brain and, and you know just just to see what you know what, what uh, helped mold him as a child, whether it be his work ethic and and uh, just how he handled certain situations. Because I think um, it's just synonymous with this game. You know, you, you go through a lot in this game and, and also in life in general. And and you know it, it's how you handle handle adversities. And um, I, I think he probably handled adversity better than um, any ball player to ever put on the uniform.
0: Obviously, it's his character that stands out beyond what a sensational player he was, and I know you're known for your character too, and what you do here in the Tampa Bay community. Maybe our fans don't know much about your foundation. How did it start? And tell me what you guys are doing.
3: Uh, really? It started uh, when I was a kid. Um, you know, my mom, uh, she was a single parent. Uh, she raised um, me and my brother by herself uh, up until I'd probably say high school. So most of our childhood, you know, we uh, went with just. It was just us three, and um, you know, I always told myself, um, you know, once I got to the major leagues and and um, got established, and, and I had a uh, a pretty good platform that I was gonna, um, you know, honor um, what I had to go through and, and honor God as well, um, and, and you know, try to reach back and, and give hope to um, a lot of kids that are going through that are going through the same thing that I that I went through, some worse, um, and so that's just that's just how it how it's uh, developed and um, it, it's turned into Denard, the Denards fan foundation and um, you know we're, we're continually to, to grow um, each year and and just trying to give give back to, to these single uh, parent homes as much as we can and and uh, that's basically what we do so is it
0: kind of providing grants to the to individual parents or what types of things do you do I know you have a lot of fundraising events
3: uh, you know early on in my early on in, in the foundation history um, what we would do is um, give back, you know, the two major holidays that are during our off season is Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, we would give back to, to families um, for Thanksgiving by providing them um, Thanksgiving dinners, um, and, and Christmas by providing uh, gifts, um, and also um, back to school supplies. We would do as well, um, and, and so um, uh, right now we're, we're experimenting or we're trying to, you know, find. We want to be able to. Just, we just want to continue to grow and. and Continue to try to make uh, more and more of an impact, and I think right now our um, our next our next uh, I don't want to say experiment, but our next uh, our next goal is to try to um, provide transportation for some of these uh, these single mothers or single family parents, uh, single family homes. Um, so that, that's in the works now by, you know, trying to get them cars. And so we know how um, important transportation is for, you know, getting your kids to and from school, getting them from to and from, um, you know, baseball practice or extracurricular activities. And, and, for, and for some of these parents' work as well. So um, that's, that's our next our next thing.
0: When you were growing up, at what point did you realize that your situation was different from others and that your mom was caring so much? And, and when did you realize, hey, I, I definitely want to do something to help others,
3: I always noticed that. I mean, I always noticed that. You know, it was just my family was family dynamic was different than a lot of my friends. You know, because I didn't have my father. You know, every single night. So whenever I went to my 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 friends' house, I would always you know cherish being around their dad. To be honest, um, then I think when I went home, then it would hit me like you know you know I enjoyed um, you know conversations with my friends' dads, and and so I, I think that's when you know I guess you could say it. it I I started to take notice that. Um, that I didn't have a father figure. Um, I I don't think that I I realized, you know, how difficult or or how amazing my mom was until I probably got almost 11th, 12th grade and I was starting to really understand um, just all the the sacrifices, all the hard work, um, all the things that, you know, she put on hold for herself to make sure um, me and my brother um, had everything that we needed.
0: Does that mean that much more now, now being a dad for the first time this year?
3: For sure, um, you know it's it's um, it's it's so special to, to, to have a, a child, and um, you know I think um, the moment my my son you know came to this world, I vowed to myself that I'm a you know try to be the best father I can. Um, you know I, I love my dad dearly, um, and I you know there's no ill will you know towards him or anything, but I just. I want to be the best father I can be because I know I didn't I didn't have that and and um, like I said life you know happens and I'm not you know like I said I'm not here to, to bash fathers or my my father but um, I just told myself I want to be the best father because um, I didn't have that.
0: Did you have almost a father figure in sports? Whether it was in high school when you started professionally, as you were starting to come through and become a major leaguer?
3: Um, I think um, growing up. Um, my best friend's dad, he was a professional football player. So, you know, for me, um, growing up, that was my life. You know, I knew I wanted to be a professional, um, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, I knew I wanted to be entertaining, because I love sports. And, and to be able to have uh, um, one of my best friend's dad that used to play for the Bucs, um, it was like, you know, it was like gold, I, you know, whenever he opened his mouth, I was all ears, attentive. And um, so as a kid that he was, um, he was my, um, I guess you say, my, my mentor. Uh, once I got the pro ball, um, had a had a minor league coach by the name of Ricardo Ingram. He passed away. Um, I don't know, maybe he had a brain tumor, maybe five years ago. But uh, I had him maybe three or four years, and uh, he was kind of like that that um, that father figure for me. He always uh, always could count on him to give me good advice, and uh, he just was a good man. You know, he 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 treated people fairly treat people you know the right way the way he you know the way he wanted to be treated and um, you know, I learned a lot from him
0: spent a year in the twins organization and it wasn't there wasn't a man who who didn't like Ricardo very very good man tell me this because you mentioned baseball and football when did baseball become the predominant sport for
3: you how old were you after my junior year um, I, I was at Hillsboro High School I was always known for um, football to be honest not baseball um, Varsity. I played varsity tenth and eleventh grade at Hillsboro. Um, after my junior year football season, I transferred to Tampa Catholic, really because I was unhappy with how things were going um, for football. So I really trained. Uh, I mean, transferred for football, and, and then as soon as I transferred to Tampa Catholic, got there as baseball season. We won the state championship. Um, had a had a good uh, playoff tournament. Um, caught some attention of some scouts that were there at Legends Field, and um, that summer, you know, I got invited to you know a few showcases because of what I did in the playoffs and um, ended up making the junior national team. We went to Cuba and by that, by the end of that summer, I went from nobody knowing who I was as far as a baseball player to I was, you know, I ended up, you know, getting being ranked um, as a you know, top 10 prospect and um, going to my senior year. And once, after that summer was over, I was like, okay, I can see where um, God is, you know, opening this path and direction for me as far as my life and my career.
0: An arts fan with us on this week in Race Baseball. I don't know if I would consider it fortunate or unfortunate, but every time on Jackie Robinson Day, as we heard today, that comes up. How do we encourage more African Americans yeah. to play baseball over the other sports? Yeah. What do you say? What would you like to do? And is there anything – your foundation is doing a lot of great work. You're helping single yeah. moms. But is there anything you want to do to help promote the
4: game?
3: Oh, I think I think the, the only thing I can come up with is just, you know, Putting your, your your hand in the dirt and, and uh, you know getting you know attacking attacking it by you know the, the very obviously it's very few African Americans in this game so I think we just gotta you know be bold and and, and get in and get in these communities and and uh, you know show our face and and show that um, you know baseball is a is a viable option um, to 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 make a good living um, it's, it's a great sport you can play a lot longer than some of these other sports and. Um, but I just think it's just the, it's going to come down to, you know, the guys that are in the game now and um, just, just getting out in the community and trying to encourage these, these, these young kids.
0: Is there anything more the sport can do? Or is there anything the sport could change to make it more attractive?
3: Um, maybe uh, maybe by marketing more African-Americans, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, even if guys aren't mega superstars, but just, you know, putting more of a spotlight on, on, on more African-American players. Um, I mean, it's obviously not not a whole lot, but you know, and not even so much African, just just players with color, you know. what I mean, or players, you know, whether they, they could be Dominican or Latin um, or, or, or Venezuelan. I'm sorry, um, but um, yeah, I, I think if they did that, that 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 could possibly help. You
0: are doing such good community work, and we talk about mentoring. Um, I know you've worked with Malik a lot. It's almost like a big brother. What is it meant to work with him, and what's the What's the thing that you want to get across? Is it more on the field or is it more off the field when you're trying to help a young player get established?
3: I think both. I mean, on the field, obviously, um, you know, when the lights are on, um, you know, you got to be focused. But it starts before that, before that bell rings, before you know they, they, they say play ball. It starts, you know, at really the night before the game. You know, what I mean, making good decisions, uh, getting good night's sleep, and you know, having a, a, a good routine, which he already does. He's very diligent. Um, <clears throat> in his work and that's what i've noticed uh, that's the first thing i've noticed about him he has a really good work ethic um so i mean just just more just fine-tuning some stuff um just you know you forget how you know young he is and you know he's only 24 years old so he, he's still learning the game and, and learning you know um just the do's and don'ts okay the do's and don'ts of uh, you know just 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 the game and and so um you know i think if anything just just trying to get him to um just you know, know himself, learn himself, and, and stay with stick within himself. You know, once that game starts and, and having a game plan.
0: And personally, obviously, you've been able to do that to last in this game for as long as you have and be as successful as long. Was that moment on opening day still one of your better moments? Where does it rank for you?
3: Um, it's up there um, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, everybody knows, or if you don't know, uh, you know, just how uh, crazy the offseason was and the uncertainty of whether or not I would, you know end up here end up somewhere else but finally to, to be able to put this uniform on and, and play in front of you know I don't know it was 30,000 25 20 to 30,000 uh, people I uh, say you know probably one out of 30,000 uh, one out of I don't know a thousand people may, maybe knew me in the stadium but still you know uh, just to be able to put this uniform on and, and uh, to have that game winning um, knock um, was just I couldn't have dreamt that to be honest. How about a game-winning hit on Jackie Robinson day, too? That would be nice also. That would be very nice. How about
0: that? I will see what I can do. All right. Well, good luck today. We appreciate some time. We've enjoyed watching you so far here in Tampa Bay, and thanks for a few minutes. Thank you. No problem, man. That's Denard Span joining us in this week in Rays Baseball. More after this on the Rays Baseball Network. continue on this week in race baseball time to take a look at the week on by and with me right now from fox sports Sun is one doug Wector. doug thanks very much for joining
1: us oh absolutely neil love coming on man
0: tell me obviously it's been a rough stretch uh let's look at what i would think would be the most positive part of what has happened in the first 14 games and that's the guy who broke a record set by you and yanni Chirinos <laughs> by beginning his career with 14 plus innings of shutout baseball <laughs>
1: Well, records are uh, meant to be broken, I guess you could say, but uh, holy cow, you're talking about Torinos. He's a guy that me and you sat down with and called a couple games in spring training, and we were saying how impressive his sinker was. And so I, I've been watching him pretty closely ever through uh, spring training, and then when he got into the season, it's been obvious to see how well he's done. I think the key to him is the ability to throw everything for a strike. He goes out there, and he has a sinker that he can pretty much start right down the middle of the plate and it rolls off to the right-handers, you know, right in on their hands, and it creates so many ground ball situations to where he can go out there, attack with that one pitch, and he can get through the lineup pretty easily. Uh, Behind that fastball, he's got a pretty nasty split finger that he uses for the strikeout pitch, which has been super effective so far this year. And then he also throws a slider for a strike as well. So he's got three weapons that he can go out there with and you know with him and his makeup I think his makeup is just off the charts you you see him go into Fenway Park um and his first two outings were against the same Boston club and he essentially put up you know nine shutout innings against that one club who you know at this point in time looks like it could be one of the best offenses in baseball so he goes out there does that in Fenway um and it looks like he's been pitching in the big leagues for 10 years I really like where he's coming from I like what he's got and uh I think his stuff translates long-term, so I'm just really excited to see him go out there and have this early
0: success. How much do you hope what, what he's done kind of rubs off on others? And what I mean by that is the way he attacks the strike zone, um, the fact you know, that he's – and pitches inside.
1: You know, I, I absolutely think it will and it can't. You see a young guy come in here and almost, in a sense, you see him make it look easy. And obviously, we all know, uh, and I know firsthand, it is not easy to pitch at the major league level. Well, when you see a younger guy come in here and just go about his business like it's not a big deal, you just go out there and throw strikes and this is how it's done, well, then it also shows some of the veteran guys who have been up there for a while. It, it reminds them um, how successful they can be as well because they're seeing this young guy do it and they say, well, why not me? You know, I've done it before. Why not do it again? So, absolutely, you know, pitching is contagious one way or another. And when you see somebody come out there and do well like Torino has done, you absolutely expect it to rub off on some of the other guys. And uh, I I really do think it will, especially on the starting staff.
0: And certainly the hope is that it will occur. I mean, you take a look for all the the issues that the Rays have had offensively in these first 14 games of the season. They've given up 71 runs in 14 games. That's more than five a game. And look, this is a team that has to be good at run prevention. and, And by and large, they have not been.
1: Right. And there's a few reasons for that, and, um, you know, we've had a couple games that have really gotten out of hand on us, but, you know, overall, you're looking at the schedule, and a lot of these games are one-run losses, so it tells you that, okay, there's got to be one or two things we could tweak in that game, and then that loss becomes a win. Um, you know, the bullpen's been struggling a little bit. We all know about the, the issues with Colome as of right now. Hopefully, he can get that straightened out, and uh, I think that has to do with uh, the cut fastball for him specifically. You know, if he can get a little more depth and get a little more of a swing and miss type pitch, then he can go back to uh, pitching the way he has been the last couple of years where he saved over 30 games in each season. But, um, you know, the back end of that bullpen is it, – it, it can be a little scary at times when we're going into a close game and wondering if they can get the job done. But, you know, that being said, I think we're going to stick with what we got. I think Cash is right with sticking with Colomay and continuing to let him work through some of the struggles that he has. Earlier this season, and uh, hopefully we'll get through it, and we'll get the closer that we expected. Now, I, I also think that you know starting pitching is going to get a little bit better for us. You know, the three guys outside of our bullpen day with Archer, uh, Snell, and Faria, I, I expect them to do um, I think, you know to average about six plus innings, you know, around two to three runs given up every time out, and uh, we haven't seen that. Con-
0: You mentioned the starting pitching um, and the three guys Archer, Snell, Faria. I mean, they've, they've got a six and a half ERA combined in four out of ten games that they've started. They've gone four innings or fewer. Let's start with Chris Archer. I mean, has the league made an adjustment to him and he needs to make the adjustment back? Because first four games lefties are hitting 450 against him,
1: right? Well, you know, with Chris Archer, I mean, it's one thing to make an adjustment off of him, but his stuff is so good that even when people make adjustments off of him, if he makes his pitches, he's still going to get the outs. I think with Archer, you know, it's um, and he's already said this, and he he went into spring training thinking this way, you know, he really needs to develop and wants to develop that changeup. I think he once he really incorporates that changeup, sticks with it, and throws it with confidence, that I believe that he could be a, a pitcher that we're seeing win around 15 games a year. And, you know, one of the top echelon guys. I mean, we're talking about a guy who throws around 95, 95. Um, He has one of the best sliders in the game. And you add a third pitch to that, and all of a sudden, instead of getting through the fourth and fifth inning and then uh, starting to see a little bit of a struggle, I mean, you're going to see a guy who's going six, seven innings every time and racking up strikeouts at the same time and putting our team in a position to win. So, um, you know, I really see Archer down the road when he develops that changeup and just mixes it in a little bit more that he's going to really take
0: off. The one thing that I, that Dave, Andy, and I think I have all touched on too, though, is he's got to pitch inside a little bit more so that guys are, are not sitting out looking for that ball away from him. you agree?
1: Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm from the school of thought that you always have to do that. And once guys start getting really comfortable swings off of you, and this is every game, this isn't just an overall opinion in baseball that um, once guys make adjustments, then you should go inside. I think everybody – needs to go inside you know, on a daily basis. It's just part of the game, and I, I think that some of that has kind of gone away with the new age of baseball, and I'd like to see you get back to it because I was taught, and I think a lot of us are on the same path, You know, if somebody's taking comfortable swings off of you, you got to get them uncomfortable, and that's the only way to do it, in my opinion. I mean, striking them out on the slider in the dirt is also that's a great thing to do, but the next time he goes up, he's probably still going to be just as comfortable if he's looking on the outer half. Every once in a while when you let one fly inside, and I'm obviously not talking about hitting anybody, but, you know, pop one inside, and especially if you're throwing 95, 96, you just throw one inside and that would put a thought in the back of their head that cause the batter to be a little more hesitant. And by doing so, that opens up the outside corner a little bit more for you. So, yeah, obviously I'd love to see all our pitchers go inside corner a little bit more. Our bullpen, I would love to see, you know, the Rays overall throw a little bit more inside.
0: No doubt. Doug, really good stuff. Appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll see you soon.
1: Always, Neil. Thanks, Thanks buddy. buddy.
0: And that is Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, let's pause for station identification. This is the Race Baseball Network. This is 620
1: WDAE St. Petersburg. It is WBTP HD3 Clearwater and 95.3 FM. Home of the
4: Rays.
0: Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and time now to take a look at uh, the minor league system Durham is coming off a championship season their manager who has returned is a guy who has been with the race organization now as a player a coach a manager for two decades it is Jared Sandberg Jared thanks very much for a few minutes today
5: thanks for having me Neil
0: tell me um, a little bit about uh, you know the group that you have this year your overall look as you start the season you guys are around 500 the first week and a half. A lot of guys who were played on that championship team and, and some newcomers, too.
5: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, young group, but uh, a lot of these guys were here last year. I think uh, five of the guys are, are repeats from last year's lineup, and uh, sort of like bullpen arms are back and pitchers are back. So some of the guys are, are, are young, but they're experienced here in AAA. They got to experience that AAA national championship last year. and They uh, are going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, here coming up.
0: I think from a fan standpoint, Jared, the the thing that, you know, I usually hear about or I get questions about are, you know, the guys who are probably the big three names, and that's Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers, and now Christian Roy, who came over from the Giants. What's the hardest part about making sure those guys don't try and do too much to try and get to the big leagues rather than just play? I know they had a, I know Willie and Jake had a little bit of that probably, what, April last year.
5: Those two did, yes. Um, all, all three of them just love to play baseball. I think, um, Jake and Willie can lean on their experience from last year when they put a lot of pressure on themselves early in the season to do too much to get to the big leagues. But um, I think, you know, overall we've had some conversations now uh, this season and we can put that behind us and just go out and play baseball. You know, Arroyo, local talent, um, comes to the Rays with high expectations from from everybody just because he's trying to replace Evan Longoria. But he's done a nice job of getting off to a good start and and playing some good defense for us. You know those three guys in the infield. It's it's pretty special.
0: Those guys all have a chance to be regulars at the big league level. For each of them, what are the things that you want to see? Where do they? Where do you want to see them grow before they get that opportunity?
5: Well, Willie uh, needs to be a little more consistent defensively. Uh, The bat, uh, pretty big bat, and had a good season last year. Um, So again, just just about maintaining that consistency. I think for Jake Bowers, you know, he needs to hit a little bit more. Be the first baseman. He can come out and uh, and do a little more damage than he did last year. Although he had a you know a good year as a young young player at AAA, and, uh, and for Christian, I think you know he lost some the bats last year with with the injury, and I think he just needs to get back out there playing and and get some the bats and get his feet wet. And once he gets hot, he's going to be a uh, somebody that uh, with the bat, um, it's going to be a bat that you're going to want to insert in the lineup.
0: You've got another guy repeating who probably is a little bit, I don't know if underrated is the right term, but probably under the radar a little bit, and that's Kian Wong. Tell me how he's grown because he really seemed to have a good spring training.
5: He did have a good spring training. I know uh, coming out of Big League camp, he impressed the Big League staff very, very well. And, you know, he's a young player. You know, he's not on the 40-man roster, but he's, he's hit his entire way up to AAA, and he's got to AAA uh, at as a, as a young age. And, you know, he had a, the big hit last year in the national championship game, the Grand Slam. And, you know, he has the, the knack perfor- for performing on the big stage. You know, if you look back to this 2015 season, he had that walk-off walk for the championship in Port Charlotte. So, uh, clutch player. But, um, you know, he's playing mostly second base. He's played uh, a couple of things third base here. Um, but, you know, the bat for him is the one thing that's going to carry him. If he continues to hit, he's going to continue to put himself on, on the radar. And, If you look uh, Friday night's game, just the other day, you know, we put him in the leadoff spot and he ignited the offense with uh, three hits and three runs scored. So, you know, another exciting player and maybe, like you said, somebody that's not on the air but had a good spring training and everybody needs to know who he is.
0: Two guys who I think also people need to know who they are in their first full year in in AAA. Justin Williams was with you for... The last part of the playoffs last year, and uh, Joe McCarthy had a really good year in AA. What have you thought of both of those young men first week and a half?
5: I'll start with Justin first. I think you know he gained some valuable experience last year when he came up and got to experience that playoff run and you know what AAA was all about. But here's a guy that you know is raw with his skill, but he's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, plays right field. He's, he's played tremendous defense so far this year. He's made a couple of great throws uh, for some assists. One to home, one to second base, and. Uh, he's a tremendous worker, but you know, for him, it's his bat. You know, the the bat is what's got him to this level. He's I think he's almost a tr- career 300 hitter, and the power potential's there for sure. And you know, he's I think that experience that he got last year has kind of uh, put him in a spot this year where he's comfortable coming into the Triple A season, and he's off to a good start. Uh, for Joe, coming off a good Double A season last year, I think he's again a mix of young young player or new player to A, trying to feel his way through, but you know, he's he's a good enough talent. He manages to strike zone. He plays good defense. Um, he's going to be just fine. You know, he ended up in his ho- first home run just the other day. So, uh, I think once you get past that five to you know seven day period of grace period of letting let them get their feet wet, um, you know, Joe's in that boat where he's he's going to be just fine.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the pitching staff. Anthony Bonde is probably the, the most heralded name right now because he came over in that big trade for Steven Souza Jr. And by the numbers, he's done nothing but impressed. How has he looked in person?
6: Wow. Um,
5: so I've seen him pitch just a couple times so far, uh, including spring training. And, you know, his first two starts here in AAA have been outstanding. You know, a lot of swing and miss, fastball. Um, Velocity's, you know, mid-'90s, and he's commanded the strike zone. For me, uh, fairly well, and uh, the slider he's shortened up a little bit, maybe since spring training, uh, working with Rick Knapp, and um, you know, he's 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 uh, provided some swing and miss, and, and the strikeouts are starting to pile up. And he's off to a really good start after his first two starts.
0: You take a look at you know some of the other pitchers that you have on the staff. The name in terms of the numbers that jumps off um, is Hunter Wood. How much has he grown since last year? Because I'm looking at the numbers, and he's striking up two batters an inning.
5: <laughs> yeah, and we're and we're uh, witnessing that as well. I mean, uh, um, it's been an incredible run for Hunter to start this year. You know, he's in the bullpen, and um, you know he just comes in with a lot of confidence. I think you know he had a good spring training and uh, the experience he gained last year. I think you know he's matured a lot as well, on and off the field, and it's translated to some serious success. Uh, where he's put up, I mean, unbelievable strikeout numbers right now. Where he's very, very impressive. Uh, The curveball is a little bit harder this year where where it's a little bit sharper. I think last year was in the upper 60s. Now it's in the mid-70s. And so with that and the cutter and uh, some of the occasional changeup and then the the forcing fastball as well. But he's got off to a tremendous start so so far.
0: And it looks like you have some pretty – obviously you have a lot of big bullpen arms in terms of velocity. I mean, Diego Castillo was the reliever of the year. But you've also got, what, Ian Jabot, Jamie Schultz, who's trying to get round into form. And – um, maybe not the biggest arm velocity-wise, but with that big power sinker, hopefully Johnny Ventress at some point can help with the big league level.
5: Yeah, I mean, you throw Ryan Stanick in the mix as well. Mm-hmm. I, mean, we're, I mean, if we're rolling out all these guys uh, on a netly basis, I mean, it's, it's a pretty impressive bullpen that we're able to have here in AAA. Um, big arms, big velocity, plus secondary pitches, uh, a lot of excitement.
0: How many of those guys are are you using or which are the multi inning guys because look the Rays are doing things a little differently this year where they've got some guys throwing uh multiple innings and then some guys who are in that kind of shorter role
5: yeah, I think uh, in our boat you know um, th- there are some some guys that are that are needed for us to provide some length you know that's that's your uh your Cody hall you know your adam choleric mm-hmm. you know even your hunter wood it needs to go out there for for one-plus, two-plus innings, you know, 40 pitches, make sure he's built up. Um, it, but even even some of the other guys, you know, you know, Ryan stank has gone back-to-back already to experience that, uh, get him ready for the big leagues. Uh, um, but, you know, some of those one-inning guys need to go out there for one-plus as well, you know, up to 35 pitches to provide some length and, and all that. So they're not all just one-inning guys, power guys. I mean, they, I think, you know, they're within that twenty five to thirty pitch range they're gonna be able to go out there and still provide the stuff and the velocity that they need to. But there's a there's a good mix I think with what we got here um with some long guys and, and some short guys as well.
0: Jared, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh hopefully it is an exciting season for you guys in Durham and a lot of guys that you get also to get the opportunity to get to the big leagues for whether well, the first time or, or one of uh what hopefully will be the time where they stick.
5: Sounds good, Neil. Thanks for having me. Appreciate
1: it.
0: And that is Jared Sandberg. You are listening to This Week in Race Baseball, coming up here from a longtime Rays employee as well as Carl Crawford and more on Jackie Robinson Day after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. Neil Solon's with you. It's time now for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season.
7: Hi, my 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 name is is Karen Jones. I've been with Tampa Bay Rays since January 16, 1997. My title is Ticket Operations Manager. When I was hired full-time for the Rays, we were over at gate four, um, just a little box office with like two people in it. Um, (laughs) And it was a lot going on. Construction-wise, it was just a lot going on, but it was very nice to win a team here in St. Petersburg.
0: What's been the best part about all the time working for the Rays?
7: All the time working for the Rays, um, I'll go back to Mr. Namoli, to the Devil Rays, um, was a fantastic person to me. Um, very good to work for, to me, was a nice person, you know. Um, and when we switched over to the Rays, um, a lot of exciting things happened in 2008. Um, colors change, name change. A lot of new players. Management changed. Um, Oh, my God. It was just, like, fantastic. It was like we went to the World Series, uh, went to Philadelphia. That was, like, the most exciting time of my life working for the Rays is to get on the plane and say I'm going to the World Series. Never done that before in my life. I was
0: going to ask you next what your greatest accomplishment was as a RAISE employee. What what would be that accomplishment to you?
7: My greatest accomplishment now is that I started out just being a normal box office ticket seller. Um, And now I am a ticket operations manager, which is basically considered a box office manager now. So out of the 20 years, I've moved up the ladder.
0: What is your best memory of what occurred on the field? And where were you when you when it happened?
7: What occurred on the field was Carl Crawford. I was like walking down the concourse, and I can hear everybody yelling. And I ran out there, and this guy was just like dashing around the field. Like, like, how can he run that fast? How is nowhere in the world anyone can run that fast? And I was, like, so amazed over him after that. It was just like he was, like, my person after that. Just Carl Crawford was my person after that.
0: And there were a lot of people who claimed Carl Crawford as their guy. And why not? He was perhaps the most exciting player to ever put on a raised uniform. Now, when CeCe was wrapping up with the Dodgers and they were visiting Tropicana Field, he and I sat down to look back at some of his best raised memories, starting with winning the ALCS in 2008.
6: Nah, I still don't think I've ever been a part of a game like that with so much importance, uh, you know, I don't know if you can remember, game six was such a heartbreaker for us, you know, we actually should have won in game six, and it came back to game seven, so our, we was, you know, drilling and was pumping, and uh, we was just as nervous as anybody could think of, and, uh, but we really wanted to win, so um, it was just one of those games where everybody was just total focus, you know. Give me an idea of what the moment felt like for you. When we won it, it was just like, finally, like we finally beat the Red Sox. We finally got over that hump. You know, uh, we was getting beat on them every year. It seemed like they always had our number, and and we we really really didn't like those guys. You know, so I uh, wanted to beat them more than anything. So for us to finally win Game Seven and get over that hump, it was just like. Just breathe, you know. Fresh air, you know. It just it just felt so good. Can't even really put into words exactly how 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 good that felt for us to just overcome that that uh that one moment.
0: When you go back in your head and you think about that game, are there other things besides Aki stepping on second that
6: come to your memory? Uh, just I remember just yeah, him stepping on second. Uh, I remember running from left field. I remember everybody coming from the off field running. We throwing our stuff up, jumping on the piles, yelling at the Red Sox, just doing all kind of crazy stuff. You know, we were so young at the time and we just wanted to enjoy every moment that um, we just didn't care. We just just had a ball. Do you think maybe you appreciated it more than
0: most? Because you came all the way through the Devil Rays era. You were the first star that the Rays had that was homegrown. I
6: think we all appreciated it, but uh, you know, I definitely felt uh, some sense of like being there before and being there after. You know, I was one of the players who got the experience both sides. So for me, it was just everything because you know, uh, I went from thinking that this could never happen to it actually happening. So it was actually to see the transformation in my eyes right before me like that. It was just amazing. So I, I definitely. Didn't take it for granted and enjoyed every moment. Were there moments during the year where you saw, hey, this is real? Well, you know, coming in the spring, like, like, you know, everybody talks about that prediction Kaz made. It's a reason why he made it. Because when we got the spring, everybody was just like ready to go. Everybody was young and just it, you just felt the energy there and it was like, okay, everybody was was there ready to show what they can do that year. And we just felt like we was in sync together. You had Joe who just pretty much let us do whatever we want, have fun and uh, wasn't wasn't rules and none like that. So uh, we just we just felt like we can do it, you know, and that's why Cass felt so good about saying it. and once he said it, it was like, hey, we gotta we gotta kind of back him up now, you know, and it just it just kept going, it just kept going, you know, and then in September, we just took off, you know um, and just never stopped losing. You know? Went all the way to the World Series. In
0: that ALCS, you had a 5-for-5, five five, two-stolen base game against Boston. Probably your best playoff game. What do you remember about that game?
6: Uh, I just remember um, it was up in Boston, right? Yeah, and um, we just we just trying to do everything to win. You know, I think uh, BJ and Lungo had, like, this amazing series where they just was hitting home runs like crazy. So we was just trying to do our part, you know, just to – do something, you know, we just want to contribute. So uh, remember just saying, you know, don't don't try to do too much. just play your game be use your speed and get on base and do stuff like that. So I was able to get on base five times.
0: (laughs) The 09 All Star game catch is one that sticks out. Can you recall that whole play? And how how does that rank up in terms of great catches you've made?
6: Oh, it's probably the the best catch I ever made. You know, on a big stage like that, who does that? You know, so uh, I just remember going in the game and saying, uh, you know, um, the ball tends to find the, the the guy that just comes on the field. You know, and it, and it actually happened. I was seeing the ball coming, like, oh man, here it comes. <laughs> so uh, I'm backing up and see the wall coming. Next thing you know, I just reach over and grab it and made the catch, and it was like, wow, you know. Um, just robbed a home run in the all-star game so i thought it was pretty cool and uh didn't think you know because it was early in the game didn't think it would be the outcome of the game you know and turned out to be the outcome of the game and got the mvp and I was just like man wouldn't have, never knew how important the catch could be you know
0: and there was also a regular season game where you ended up with six stolen bases mm-hmm.
6: against the red sox yeah. and and you had a chance, actually. You could have stole a seven. Could have stole seven if I would have just turned around and looked up at the board. You know, uh, I was one of those guys. I really don't. I really didn't like the, you know, when they cheer and you take off your helmet and you do all that stuff. I, I mean, it, it's not like it's a bad thing, to do. I was just not like that. And um, you know, I heard everybody cheering and stuff, and I thought they were just cheering for the sixth stolen bases, but they was actually cheering, telling me to run to third base. And, and I didn't, I didn't catch on until late. And by the time I got in the dugout and I realized what happened, I, I was like, man, because I definitely could have got third and broke the record, you know. So uh, this is one of those things I think about to this day because you know I, I could have broke it, you know, I tied it, but I, um, oh, will well, take, take the tie. Time.
0: And that is Carl Crawford in my most recent interview with him. I hope you enjoyed his bobblehead yesterday, for those of you who did get it. Now, today, of course, is Jackie Robinson Day, and two members of the Old Negro Leagues are here at the ballpark today. One of them is James Cobb, James Cobbin, who joins me now. James, thanks very much for joining me.
4: Yes, you're quite welcome, sir.
0: Tell me what Jackie Robinson Day means to you. Well,
4: Jackie Robinson means an awful lot to me, because I was only uh, about 12 years old, and... Uh... Uh, in 1947, when uh, Jackie Robinson finally broke the color line, uh, it was a color line broken for a, a whole lot of us. Uh, and then in 1948, after the Jackie Robinson did break the color line, we got uh, I live in Ohio, uh, the Cleveland Indians is my team. Uh, and that year, Satchel Page in 1948 played for the Cleveland Indians. In fact, even at 12, I, I still remember the... The, the whole team that Cleveland had that year, uh, uh, and of course, Satchel Page and uh, Larry Doby sort of uh, was the reflection of the American League because uh, Larry Doby was the first one in the American League uh, as Jackie Robinson was the first in the National League, and uh, that that year, Satchel uh, Satchel Paige was uh, in his late 40s, and uh, he and he was. And He was 40, about 47, 48 years old, and uh, he was Rookie of the Year. At that time, uh, I didn't know very much about the Negro League. Uh, we was playing baseball in the semi-pro league in Youngstown, Ohio.
0: Tell me this, since there are so uh, obviously few of you who played in that league who are still living, how important is it, do you think, for all of America to know what the Negro Leagues were like and what you guys did?
4: Well, I think the biggest takeaway, I mean, I, I think that I, if they need to know, most people thought, even at that time, that the Negro League was a minor league for the major leagues. It was just a source of of, of additional talent in the major leagues. What they don't really understand is that the talent level for the Negro League uh, was very, very high. And when those uh, guys who came from the Negro League into the white major leagues, they were stars upon their arrival. I think one of the most important periods I want to I want to tell you about is that is when Bob Fellow, uh was uh, uh, was up for the um, Hall of Fame. Uh, Bob said that if and he started off and he said that if guys like Satchel Page uh, were not considered, then he didn't think he'd be worthy of the de- de- of the designation. So, and that's kind of started it off. And uh, from there, you get guys like Jordan Marjo, Ted Williams, and all of them start to testify uh, about the quality of the Negro League ball players. Uh, and that's why today in Cooperstown, uh, there is many Negro League ball players who never really played in, in the national in, in the white major leagues.
0: Obviously, you're still making a lot of appearances. Why? Why? How important is it for you? Um, to do that and, and to let people know what, what the leagues were about.
4: It's, it's very important because we you, you find guys, and we speak in different places, especially kids. They, they need to know the history. And, uh, and without us, I don't know of any, any programs uh, that I'm aware of, at least, uh, that uh, uh, teaches kids uh, about the important part that the Negro League played in the history of baseball period. Uh, and so what little that we can do, uh, you know, we just we just got to try to do the best we can. Well,
0: I'm glad that you and Dennis and several <laughs> others are still making the rounds and being able to tell these stories and meet with people in person. <laughs> and I hope you guys have a wonderful Jackie Robinson Day, and uh, we, yeah. we welcome you to Tampa Bay. Okay. okay.
4: Thank, Thank you very, very much. much.
0: And that is former Negro League player James Coburn, who is at the ballpark today along with Dennis Biddle, and that's one of several special events at the game today on this Jackie Robinson Day. The Rays will honor the family of U.S. Army Captain Riley Pitts, the first African-American commissioned officer to receive the Medal of Honor. And with me now his son, Mark. Mark, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, It's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you today. Tell
0: me what Jackie Robinson Day means to you and your family.
2: You know, we're, we're just so humbled that uh, the Rays, willing to recognize my father through this through this tremendous event. And you know, again as I think about Jackie Robinson and what he means to Major League Baseball and the significance of his entry into Major League Baseball and him being the first. Um, but if you think about it, there were a number of African Americans before Jackie Robinson, Satchel Page, Josh Gibson and others mm-hmm. that we can think about so it, it tells you that uh, Jackie Robinson was the kind of character that he had. He knew that he was standing on the shoulder of some giants and some greats in the game. And I think the parallel to my father is, you know, my father was the first African-American commissioned officer, but you know that there were other Medal of Honor recipients who were enlisted men and those who performed some very brave and heroic acts. So I think the parallel is I'm sure that my dad knew um, what his responsibility was, and you know I, I, the the parallel is he too ha, is is in a long line of giants in the military field that have uh, have made great sacrifices for their country.
0: And I know that your mom uh, is throwing out the first pitch today. That's got to be exciting for the family too.
2: It is. It is. She's uh, <laughs> she's a little bit nervous, but we're going to practice a little today. But. Um, I think she's up for the task.
0: Tell me, um, you know, the qualities, I guess, too, of Jackie Robinson. Every year, I think, you know, of not only the sacrifices that he made, the challenges he had, but also, you know, what what embodied him, and I guess maybe how that also parallels your dad and some of those same qualities in terms of character.
2: Sure. I mean, you know, if you you think about the the experience that Jackie Robinson had to go through uh, in order to open the door – through Major League Baseball, first of all, he had to be very self-confident. He had to uh, have humility. He had to have great understanding of people um, and have great patience in order to be able to be the leader that um, created the opportunity inside uh, baseball clubhouses across the United States. And if you think about what was happening in in the '60s, you know there was significant strife about the Vietnam War. Uh, in 1964, the Voting Rights Act had just been passed. So I, I believe that my dad had to have some of those same qualities and some of those same characteristics in order for him to be company commander and leader in Vietnam, you know, being a, a, a officer over both black and white troops, bringing them into a new era of what the military was going to look like.
0: And here in Tampa Bay, obviously, I, I know that this community has done a lot of really good things, um, whether it's, um, you know, I know the Rays are heavily involved with the RBI program and various others around Tampa Bay regarding baseball, but also very community-oriented, and as I know you and, and uh, the company you work for, Coca-Cola, are too.
2: We're absolutely thrilled at Coca-Cola Beverages Florida to be part of the Rays family. And one of the, you know, I think, enduring qualities of, of your organization is that they are so community focused, and you know we believe in cooked beverages, Florida. In our short time as as uh, the bottler here in this community, have really worked hard to try to tap into that as well. So I think that there's just tremendous synergies and opportunities for us to continue working together, and hopefully we'll be able to leverage the strengths of each organization to, to to do even more in the community to uh, to be of service to the citizens of Tampa Bay.
0: Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. I hope you and your family enjoy today, and happy Jackie Robinson Day.
2: Thank you very much, Neil.
0: And special thanks to Mark Pitts and all of our guests on this Jackie Robinson Day, Denard Spann, as well as Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun, Durham manager Jared Sandberg, Carl Crawford, Karen Jones, and also former Negro leaguer James Cobbin. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. And you can beat the heat with the Rays this Saturday when they host the Twins and hand out a car sunshade presented by Florida Department of Transportation to fans while supplies last. Last. Go to racebaseball.com for more info and race up. For my producer, Len Martez, Neil Solons with you, saying stay tuned. Next week, Chasro and more. The pregame show is next. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.